You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. Hi, this is Interviews 112. My guest is Noah Revoy, a personal and business relationship strategist based in Portugal. His specialty is helping businesses and individuals root out all forms of manipulation to keep relationships honest and productive. He has mentored hundreds of founders, executives, investors, and couples in the past decade. Throughout his years of coaching clients, he found an astonishing amount of trauma and suffering resulted from manipulation. To give you an example, employers and employees manipulate each other, resulting in low productivity and bankruptcies. So now I wrote a book teaching a systematic method on how to identify and confront manipulation. It is called Become Immune to Manipulation. And we're going to talk about it in more details today. Hey, Noah, thank you very much for being a guest today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. Yes, me too. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, conversation here. But first, just tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I started out um, when I was a child, I was encouraged towards being a minister. And so basically, I was taught all kinds of techniques for listening to people, uh, for helping them with their problems. And yes, it was focused on helping them with spiritual problems. But in very often, all of the problems in our life come back to some sort of problem of the human spirit. And so I, I really had this tremendous foundation in teaching and in um, working with people and what is essentially a coach. You know, a minister is essentially a coach for your spiritual needs, mm -hmm. but they often touch into everything, relationships, marriage, people's problems in their businesses, everything. You end up working with people doing doing. Um, you know, accompanying them along that journey as they grow. And because of many members of my family were ministers and we were surrounded by these type of people, I had this experience that other kids didn't get where I was able to learn that. By the time I was 15, I was assigned to minister to people who were um, at the bottom of society's rungs, to street people, prostitutes, drug addicts, criminals, and these types. And so I was spending a lot of time dealing with people who had made every mistake that was possible to be make who had had every bad thing happen to them possible. And I really had a deep interest, a deep care and concern for them to find out what it was that got them to where they were and how, if possible, they could turn their lives around. Mm -hmm. And I put a lot of effort in this hundreds of hours, thousands of hours of reading and practical experience uh, in the trenches, so to speak, with these people and I learned a lot of what later became my coaching skills, dealing with these kind of people and helping them to be successful. And it's it's kind of funny because I, on one hand, I'm helping the people at the bottom of society. And on another day, I'll be helping someone who's a you know, multimillionaire who has business questions and has run, you know, huge, huge IT companies. And so the the dichotomy of that was gave me a different perspective. So I could see that most of the time the problems were the same, just at different scales. And, and the deeper problems of society, of communication, relationships, and manipulation 
they exist everywhere. And what we're trying to do is to help people to become immune to the root causes mm. so that whether they're at the bottom of society or at the top, they're still going to benefit from what they're learning. You mentioned that the problems are the same, mm. um, regardless of where you are in a, in a society. Can you, can you give us some examples of typical problems you have encountered? For example, you will have a person who is um, really down and out, and they believe that not only are they a bad person at their core root, and this is not necessarily true. There are really bad people, but they're a tiny, tiny minority. Mm. Mostly these people will believe that they're not worthy, and therefore they don't put the investment into themselves to make their lives better. And they have this um, constant feeling of imposter syndrome, even though they're at the very bottom of society. And then I'll talk to someone who is a CEO of a big major corporation who has excellent decision-making skills, who everyone looks up to and everyone loves, and he still thinks that no one wants to spend time with him, that, mm -hmm. that he's an intrusion into everyone else's life. And it's the same feeling scaled differently. Yeah, uh, the imposter syndrome. He talked to me yesterday. <laughs> Actually, yesterday I had uh, an imposter syndrome day. And on those days, I feel really down. I'm like, you know, asking basic questions to myself, stupid questions, those type of questions that you don't have the answers to. Like, why the heck I'm doing what I'm doing? <laughs> you know, but I, I, have, I found that uh, it comes to me on days when I am tired. For mm -hmm. instance, I had a bad, you know, night's sleep. I didn't sleep enough. And on those days, I'm more prone to that to that imposter syndrome. But it's always there, isn't it? Yeah, there's the way the brain's constructed. And this is very rough uh, description, but it's enough for most people's use. There is the part of the back of the brain is instinct. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like survival instinct, lizard brain. And there's a part in the middle that has emotions. And there's a part in the front that is the neocortex that its job is to regulate the other functions. Mm. And it's where the higher thinking processes happen. And for many of us, so, you know, if, if you have a problem, for example, with weight gain, the, the little lizard brain in the back is saying we could be starving tomorrow, better eat all the food we can find. Right. And then the part in the middle says, well, I get a lot of emotional joy from eating. You know, I love that chocolate cake. I should eat the whole thing. Mm. And then the neocortex in the front says, I know we love eating, but the reality is, is we have plenty of food. We're not starving. Everything is good. Um, you need to interrupt that signal and say, we'll eat some cake. We're not going to eat all the cake because there will be long-term consequences. And what happens when we get tired is the, the part in the front is the part that stops working first. Yeah. And it just works its way back through the brain because we need the lizard brain to survive. So that, that can work when we're almost dead. We can be half in a coma and the lizard brain is still going still gonna to work to keep us alive. And this is because our body chooses to die slowly rather than die quickly if it has to make that choice and so a lot of these things that are difficulties now in an environment with plenty were necessary survival strategies when we had a, a really hard environment where it was physically difficult just to survive mm. and it's we're working against thousands and thousands of years of evolution and human nature and we have to learn how to control that and it's the same reason why we shouldn't be making decisions uh, long-term decisions when we're exhausted mm. because we're, we're making them not with the neocortex we're making them with something deeper in the brain and that doesn't mean the decision will be wrong what it means is the decision's not logical and so if it's right it's more by chance than anything 
I read a book called uh, The Chimp Paradox, and that middle part, uh, the author called it uh, The Chimp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a great definition. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there are times to turn off the neocortex. If, yeah. you know, if you are going to go out and have some fun with your friends and you're in a safe environment and your friends are not going to push you to indulge in anything that's unhealthy, uh, you can turn off your inhibitions a little bit and enjoy yourself and open up to your friends and have some fun. And maybe you drink a little more than you normally do, or, you know, you have a cigar or something that you wouldn't normally do. Um, when you're with your wife, you can turn both that off and just have a lizard brain on and really enjoy some fun uninhibited. And a lot mm -hmm. of people, their their problem is either that they're not inhibited enough, and so they're making too many impulsive mistakes, or they're too inhibited. And when they're in that position where now you can enjoy the fruits of your labor, they can't enjoy it because they're so inhibited from uh, truly interacting and opening up with others. And you see that with people that have a difficult time having emotional intimacy because they don't trust anyone. And really what it means is they don't trust themselves. Mm. They don't trust themselves to pick a person that's safe to open up emotionally to. And so when you, this is, this is why the first relationship we have to work on is the relationship with ourselves. It's time for a short announcement. Over the years, I've learned three critical things about entrepreneurship. One, being an entrepreneur is a calling. Two, entrepreneurship is a mindset. And three, the biggest risk you face as an entrepreneur is becoming the bottleneck in your business. When you're the bottleneck, you're stuck. And when you're stuck, your business is stuck. So if it happens, you need to A, work on your mindset and make sure it's back into the right place and B, implement specific tactics to get unstuck. In my new ebook, I share eight of those tactics which will help you unlock situations and strive as an entrepreneur. Watch out, it's not just another ebook. It's based on hundreds of conversations with entrepreneurs, on my podcast with my clients and peers. It contains 8,055 words over 38 pages. Each tactic comes with a set of practical tips or exercises so you can immediately apply the tactic into your business. Grab your copy of my free ebook, 8 Tactics to Strive as an Entrepreneur, on my website. You will find the link in the show notes. And now let's go back to the episode. We were talking about manipulation. Uh, you wrote a book about manipulation. Manipulation is the, at the at the heart of what you do. What is it? Manipulation is emotional and social warfare. So okay. it's a tool by which um, people create a false debt. So they make it as if you owe them something. And that's not necessarily financial. That could be you owe them obedience. You owe them loyalty. And as I said, it's a false debt. Because if you have a real debt, you don't need manipulation to to let the person know about that you can be completely honest with them and open but if you want to manufacture a debt you can get something for nothing and the interesting thing is this is not always malicious i mean that sounds terrible mm -hmm. waging warfare against someone but it's not always malicious a lot of people they're they're manipulative because they're they have needs that they don't know how to get met and they're afraid that if they don't do something no one's going to meet their needs. No one's going to love them. No one's going to support them. No one's going to agree with their ideas in a meeting. 
um, you know, they're going to get fired because they're going to get replaced. Their, their job will be outsourced, whatever it is. And they're afraid and they're acting from a position of fear. And people who are afraid are much more dangerous a lot of times than people who are actually malicious because you can reason with a rational, malicious person and you can set boundaries and you can prevent them from harming you. Very hard to do that with a person who's afraid because they're not acting from a rational place. They're acting from this strong survival emotion. They're, they're acting from their lizard brain. Mm. And what they'll do is they'll try to manipulate you and they're, they're looking for something. They're looking to get something out of it. Now, if you were to end every relationship that had some element of manipulation in it, because this is what most people say, well, they manipulate, manipulate me. I'm just never going to talk to them again. Mm. You would be all alone. You would, you would lose all your employees. You'd have to quit every job you start because everywhere there's an element of manipulation because everywhere people are to a certain extent afraid. Some more than others, but to a certain extent, there will be someone in that environment who's afraid. And so what's better is to learn how to condition people around you that manipulation is not how to deal with me. If you want to deal with each other with manipulation, okay, but Mm. not with me. And what ends up happening is because you've, you've now helped them to see there's a better way, they will tend to deal with others in the way that you teach them, which is persuasion. Instead of manipulation, you teach them to persuade. And persuade requires the offering of something for something. So instead of false debt, right. it's a trade. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, I was about I was about to ask you, you know, let's take a, like a, a sales interaction. Yeah. That's that's persuasion because it, like you said, it's it's a trade, but it's not many. Well, you see in most of the cases, it's not it's not manipul- manipulation. That's the yeah. big difference. Yes. And if you want to maintain your client, so you can sell in the short term. You can stack your sales if you use high-pressure manipulative tactics in the short term. Although the bigger the project, the less that those work. Those don't work on hardened um, uh, buying managers from big companies. The big, big decision makers, that doesn't work on them. Those high-pressure stuff doesn't work because they're thinking in an extremely logical and rational way about their business. Um, but you can stack your sales in the short term, but you create animosity with your clients because at a certain point, they find out mm. that you tricked them, you manipulated them. And not only do they don't want to do business with you, they want to see your business burn. You've created enemies, exactly the opposite of what you want to do. And if you're in a, a smaller country, you know, I'm in Portugal, you're in Finland, um, reputation is incredibly important for yeah. continual business. And so you, if you have the reputation that th- this was always my reputation, do business with Noah and you will make money. Mm. Even if he takes a loss, you're going to make money. He's, he's going to find a way to make sure if you work with him that you're happy at the end. And that really helped me because I didn't, I didn't have to convince people that I was trustable because they'd already heard that from some third party. It works exactly the opposite if you manipulate. You'll get told, watch out for that guy. Maybe you need his product because he's the only one that provides it. But watch out. He's tricky. And so people come in with this lack of trust, which is the result of manipulation. We have a very distrusting society today Mm. because everyone knows that there's this undercurrent of manipulation. We won't talk about it because if we talk about it, we have to face it, but it's there and it erodes trust in society um, all the way from, you know, trust in governments to trust in big businesses, to trust within families. You said 
the thing about manipulation is that, well, it has to come from, it's about you, right? I don't want to be manipulated, but to be, to not, to be able to be in that position, you need to realize that you are manipulated. Yes. So how do you know <laughs> when you are? Well, there, it's interesting because children are very perceptive that something is wrong. Now they can't identify exactly what's wrong, but they'll see it. My son was watching something and he said, dad, I think this is propaganda. This doesn't have, it doesn't make sense. And he didn't know the words, but it didn't have internal consistency. Mm. So they were saying things that contradicted each other and claiming both were true. And he says, that's, that's wrong. There's something wrong there. The thing is, is we're trained out of that natural instinct. Um, we, we have a desire for truth as humans, for things to make sense, because when things make sense, we survive. When things don't make sense, there's something that we're not noticing. And that's when we end up with trouble. You know, we end up um, running into a survival situation over history is when we didn't understand uh, you know, new kind of berry. Don't know if I should eat it or not. <laughs> this yeah. guy says it's poisonous. That guy says it isn't. What am I going to do? And so children have that. We're, we're trained out of it by a society that says, you must go along with this manipulation or there will be punishment. So this starts in, the, in, the, in, the ch in childhood with parents. So parents say, brush your teeth. Yeah. So it's a perfectly normal thing. The parent wants you to brush your teeth. He has a legitimate need. He's afraid your teeth are going to fall out if you don't. But instead of teaching the child why toothbrushing is important and explaining how it works and saying, yeah, yeah, if you miss a toothbrushing, your teeth aren't going to fall out. But the more you miss, it's, it's, you know, it accumulates and explaining this to them, which takes time and effort. They say, brush your teeth or I'm going to be really upset at you. Mm. Uh, that's emotional manipulation. You're emotionally manipulating the child. I don't want to make dad and mom upset. I need them to survive. Like they're, they're where food comes from and love and so I better do what they say. And so we, we get cultivated into this mindset that if an authority figure says something, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's clearly manipulative, it's in our own interest to go along with it. Otherwise, there'll be some sort of punishment. And that's a coping strategy we develop as children. Then we become an adult and we realize that we can stand up to our, for this manipulation, but we're so programmed to not do it. But mm -hmm. now we need to relearn how to identify it. So the identifying signs of manipulation are what we call GSRRM. And it's an acronym and it stands for uh, gossiping, shaming, rallying. <laughs> there's a bunch more undermine. There, there's like 15 of them and it's bigger than the, than the acronym. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you learn those. And these are all um, thing uh, psychologizing, for example, all things that as soon as you read that, you go, that happened to me last week or, or last right. month. And it's very, as soon as you hear it, it's like a light went on that can never go off again. And, and suddenly you have this awareness that if someone is psychologizing me, so they're saying, oh, your, your desire to not brush your teeth is because you are, um, you have a fetish for not toothbrushing and you're crazy, you know? <laughs> And what ends up happening is you become immune to it because you know, as soon as someone uses that technique, that there's some, there's some manipulation going on. Now, a step beyond that is to learn how to do the confrontation. And so when someone's manipulating you, what do you do about it? Because mm. recognizing it is the first step. And we usually recognize that manipulation within us. So the imposter syndrome that you're talking about is internal manipulation. Yeah. So we're, 
we're undermining, which is one of the, the GSRMs, we're undermining our own sense of self-worth. And, and sometimes we're even psychologizing. Am I crazy to think that I could be good at this? You know? Um, yeah. And, and so this, this thing that we're doing makes it easier for other people to undermine us. If we've been telling ourselves we're no good all day and someone else comes along and says, you're no good. Um, but look, if you just follow what I'm telling you, you're going to be fine. But you're mm -hmm. no good. Okay. Then we're going to be really susceptible to that. That's how people get into cults. People don't get into a cult who are well-adjusted and don't, cool. and don't undermine themselves. It's people who already have told themselves they have no value. The cult comes along and says, this is how you gain value. Join yeah. our cult. And I, when I say cult, I don't even mean a religious cult. Some, some political organizations are basically cults. Some businesses are run like a cult and yeah. we get sucked into that. And that ends up becoming um, our owner essentially. Yeah. I do, I do CrossFit. CrossFit is often referred as a cult, which is not. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and see, the interesting thing with that is it, it can often depend on the individual. So I do know uh, someone that she um, she had some emotional disturbances and working out for her was her only her only way to keep herself healthy. Yeah. But because she had one single coping mechanism, she was working out for five hours a day. Her joints are starting to wear out. She's not mm -hmm. going to be able to continue. What happens when she can't work out anymore? And so developing a whole suite of coping mechanisms where we divide that coping between you know 10 or 15 things is going to be a lot better for us. Yeah. But yeah, once you once you self-manipulate, other people will see those buttons and push them. Well, I've seen a lot of cases, do a lot of um high value, you call it high value man. So a, a very successful man in business and money, and um, you know, he's popular but he has a hard time constructing lasting relationships with women. Mm. And the reason is, is because uh, very often because his mother manipulated him in certain ways that women see him and they can immediately see where those buttons, <clears throat> excuse me, they can see where those buttons are that the mother pushed and they start pushing those buttons too. And, and not necessarily because they're malicious. Sometimes it's just, there's a button, they're going to push it. <laughs> it's curiosity. And that mm. sets him off which makes it impossible then for him to have a relationship. So learning to remove those triggers within him so that he's not manipulatable anymore allows him to have a healthy, trusting relationship with a woman. Yeah. And the same happens in business. You know, um, the parent, my perennial favorite is the guy that comes to me and says, I got this great idea for a new business. I'm like, cool. Tell me what it is. I, um, maybe I can give you some help. I can't tell anybody about it. It's a secret. Okay. Um, when are you launching it? He says, soon, soon. How long have you been working on it? 10 years. Okay. Um, <laughs> have you told anybody about it? No. It's going to be real hard for people to find your products if you don't tell anybody yeah. about them. I yeah. can't. Someone will steal the idea. Yeah. They, they are so deep in the manipulation that it's impossible for them to pick a person they can trust because their judgment is off that they're not going to trust anyone. And because of that, those type of people can't be successful. And that's all a self-manipulation. And you can escape that by developing an instinct against manipulation. When, you, when you're manipulated, it should trigger a disgust response as in, oh, that's terrible. Why would you do that to me? It's, yeah. it's like they come up and slap you in the face. What kind of response are you going to have? It's a mix of anger. <clears throat> I understand. Anger and shock and disgust. How dare you? Mm. Well, we're talking emotional intelligence, aren't we? Yes. Yes, emotional intelligence is going to help you to to notice manipulation but for a lot of people um, especially if you have neuroatypical people 
so autists, for example, I have a lot of autistic clients mm. and when they want to understand manipulation or some other uh, social phenomenon that's being used against them, they have to learn it in series. They have to learn it like they're learning, um, you know, to computer program because it doesn't come instinctually for them because their mind functions in a different way. And so having an actual list of checklist of things they can go through is a person doing this, 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 and this. Okay, they're doing this. Um, what does that mean? That means that I'm being manipulated. This is how I deal with it. And that mm -hmm. second part, the how do you approach a manipulator? That's um, that's an art and a skill. <laughs> well, tell us, tell us yeah. about it. So, what can you do against manipulators? Yeah. So one once, so there are a couple of things you want to do. First thing you want to do is you want to get all the manipulation that's inside you out. You want right. to stop self manipulation. So you start you start by yourself. Yeah. First, yeah. Yes, you can't confront a manipulator when you have a bunch of buttons inside of you that he can just push to get his way. Mm. You will often come out of that confrontation worse than you went into it. So it's you avoid that until you remove your own internal manipulation. Then you need to, um, and this is this is in general, not for dealing with a specific manipulator. You need to know who you are, because manipulators very often attempt to manipulate your understanding of yourself, which is your ego, your your, your perception of who you are in order to use that against you. And so they create this false debt by saying that you are, a, you are this kind of a person and that kind of a person needs to, needs to pay this debt to me. You right. know, you are, you're an oppressor. You need to pay debt to me, pay a debt to me, whatever it happens to be. And so you need to know exactly who you are and you need to be comfortable with that and confident in it so that you don't, people can't come and levy a debt against you. The next thing you need to know is, who actually matters to you? Mm -hmm. Whose opinion matters? So that when someone who's outside of where, you know, your circle of where you care what they think, because you can't care what the entire world thinks of you. If you care what your, you know, my example, I care what my wife thinks, I care what my children think, and I care what my friends think, Yeah, my family. And I care only a little bit of what my acquaintances think. You know, and then beyond that, you know, acquaintances includes clients and th that type of thing. Beyond that, I can't care what they think. There's, there's just, it's too far from me to, to care about it. So when they don't like me or they say, you're crazy, I say, I don't okay. care if you think I'm crazy. I don't care about your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so now, now if you, if you have set yourself up so that you are well defended against manipulation, when a manipulator attempts that, um, you know, you go into a business meeting and a manipulator attempts to manipulate you. What you want to do is always approach it in good faith. Even if they're not, you want to approach it in good faith because it's not just about this one moment in time with this person. It's about how you will be perceived for the rest of your life by the people who see what you do. Mm. And so what you say to them is you you try to find out what their real needs are what is it they're afraid of and what is it that they actually need and what you say to them is okay i see what you've done here you've said this and you've said that you have you've you've been trying to undermine me here and i don't appreciate that that's not how you do business with me i want to come to a win-win situation i want to make sure we both walk out of this happy and i'm and and, and you restate their needs back to them you need this this and this and you're very concerned that this things don't these things don't happen. Let's create a plan where I'm happy and you're happy, where all of your needs are fulfilled. 
where the things you're afraid of happening don't happen and where I can still walk out of this with a win as well. And so you're, t you're changing their tactic from manipulation to persuasion because you're opening it up. You're shining light on the things they're not going to tell you. Most people's deceptions come from their fear that if they talk about their fears, it will be used against them. And so you make them talk about their fear through intelligent questioning. You have to, you have to ask the right questions. And once you do that, you can uncover it. And now that we're talking about it openly, the need for manipulation dissipates. And you explain to them, look, if you have problems in the future, the more open and honest you are with me, the faster we can deal with this. And most people respond very positively. Most people don't want to be dishonest. As I said, it's a fear response. Mm -hmm. They really would love to have open communication. And when you create that kind of a relationship with a client or a business partner, that is solid. That kind of relationship has trust. If down the line you have problems, they're going to get resolved at low cost and quickly versus, you know, if, if, a, if a business relationship devolves into a lawsuit, it's almost always because of manipulation mm -hmm. and it's half the fault of the person who is technically innocent because they didn't try to, they didn't go and resolve it early on using the techniques that I described. Yeah. They stick, they stick to their grounds most of yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, uh, that's an interesting um, example for entrepreneurs because this, this show is about entrepreneurship. Yes. Can, can you give us more examples about manipulation uh, with entrepreneurs? Yeah. So we, we, um, We've seen a lot of, uh, not a lot, we've seen some uh, manipulative manipulative raising of funds for companies such as, um, I can't remember her name now, it's in, my, it's in my book, but I can't remember her name. It's uh, that lady who, she dressed like Steve Jobs and talked like a robot, kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she had some biotechnology company. I just yes. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, she, she got some brilliant minds to invest into her company. People who later said, normally, I check the fundamentals of the company I invested in, but she just, I don't know what she did. She like got into my head and I invested without thinking. You know, she took, she, uh, Bernie Madoff took money from his own community. Yeah. It was a, he was a conservative Jew and he took money from the conservative Jewish community. He ripped his own people off. How, how evil you got to be to rip your own people off, you know, and because these people exist. If we have, if we invest, if we do partnerships with other people, we have to have a metric for measuring that relationship and saying, is this a re manipulative relationship? If so, how do I fix it? And if you can't fix it, then you're probably dealing with a Bernie Madoff type. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a true malicious manipulator versus someone that's just afraid. The more you practice fixing these relationships and turning them into high trust persuasion based relationships, the easier it gets. And in fact, you'll develop a reputation where people will just start coming to you without the manipulation because they'll hear that doesn't work on you. Right. It's easier as you get older and you get to a certain point where you're just like, you know, I, nobody's tried to manipulate me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, what's happening? Uh, yeah, it's your life just becomes easier. And, you know, the the honestly, no matter what you do in business, the place this is going to help you the most is with your spouse and children. Yeah. Because if your if your home life is chaotic, you're you cannot give your all to your business. You cannot focus on your business matters. Uh, you know, I've helped people uh, in as a as a business consultant. I went in as a business consultant to solve business problems, 
And very quickly into that, I realized that the problem is their marriage is on the rocks and they can't focus at work mm. because of that. And helping them very easily deal with their marital problems, which are often more to do with both parties refusing to do what's necessary to resolve them rather than something intractable, then all of a sudden there isn't a business problem anymore. And, and I didn't even do anything. I didn't really help them with their business problems. I helped them with their family problems. One of the things that um, some of the more forward-thinking companies do is they make sure that their employees have access to a coach, a mentor, a therapist, whatever it is that they happen to need for what's going on in their life. Because they recognize that people that are distraught over personal matters are not going to be productive in the workplace. Mm. They'll, they'll stay there longer. They'll stay longer to stay away from their family environment, but they're not getting stuff done because their their attention can't be there. Yeah, that eats at them. What happens at home, and but you know, happily married people, there this there's actually been studies shown that happily married people are the most are the most productive employees. Fascinating. I mean, we could talk about it for for hours, uh, but I'm limited by time, so I want to talk a little bit about you as an entrepreneur too. Well, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur? It means for me that I have control of my time. So I'm an entrepreneur because um, of two reasons. One, I want control of the ethics of my business. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to have to fight with anyone in my own business about doing things the ethical way. And two, I want to be able to control my time. I, as I mentioned, I now have uh, small children. And I want to be able to spend time with them, especially in the first, you know, nine, 10 years of their life where they're, they're real tiny and they, they need a lot of attention. And I can't do that if I'm working 60 hours a week, like I was before I had children mm -hmm. uh, that really changed things. And the other thing is, is that I'm, I'm not really cut out for a, a normal job. Right. Um, I, I'm an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur. My wife was raised as an entrepreneur. Her parents are entrepreneurs. Um, my grandparents were entrepreneurs. In fact, it goes so far back in the family. I, I can't identify an ancestor, direct ancestor that wasn't an entrepreneur. Oh wow! So it, it runs in the family that we enjoy working for them ourselves. Now, the other thing is, is that I get to see the product of what I create, which is highly motivating. A lot of us work in, in, an area where we don't get to see what we did. We don't get yeah. to see the value that it brought to people, the happiness that people get from receiving our product, whatever it is. We're just a cog in a machine. And for me, that, that doesn't work. That's not emotionally satisfying. And so I wanted to pick not just a, a I, I didn't really choose to be a coach. Um, I was a coach and I decided to monetize it. Mm, right. I, I was a person that helps people with their problems and then I found a way to make money at it. And it turns out I'm really good at it and I can make a lot of money doing it. I would be doing it even if I was in poverty in order to do it because mm. I, it's a calling. It's not something I even had a choice about. But doing it as an entrepreneur just allowed me to do it in the most ethical way possible. It's the same reason that I didn't go to uh, take psychology in school is that I looked at it and it started to, I looked at the courses and they box you in ideologically. And it didn't give me the flexibility I needed to solve problems. And I've talked to a number of friends that are therapists and many of them have given up their therapy licenses and their, their um, psychology licenses in the last few years 
in order to do things like practice online. Mm-hmm. You know, most places, if you're a therapist, you can't contact your clients online. It has to be face to face, which limits you to the people close to you. So if someone really needs your help, but they're four hour drive away, they can't, they can't afford to come to you. And you can't go to them because it's in another state or another country. And so this gave me the tremendous flexibility that I wouldn't have had if I'd taken a traditional route. Yeah, I understand. I mean, the, the way you were talking about, you know, you being a coach was a calling. I became a coach because it just made sense to, yep. right? Do you know, that's, that's why. That's, that's, that means it's a calling. If it's yeah. just that this made sense, I should do yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, what have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur? I I learned that I am so much different from your average person mm. that most of the things that work for me don't work for average people. Like what? And so that I have to, I have to reformulate what works for me into something that works for other people. Right. And that was, that was, I mean, I always knew I was a little bit of an outlier, outlier, <laughs> but you know, I, I did go to school. So yeah. I did, I did see what average was and, and I'm a little bit of an outlier. Um, but I have, I'm, I'm have a very high IQ, but I'm also very conscientious. So my right. conscience is constantly, rem- it's like a voice in the back of my head that's telling me what to do. And it's telling me to, you know, the, the, not the schizophrenic voice tells you to jump. My voice is um, help that person. Mm. You know, do this thing that's the right thing. Don't do that thing that's the bad thing. And it's funny because I'm also, you know, it's the big five personality test that I usually do with clients. And uh, I'm very high in openness. What that means is, is that everything seems interesting to me. You know, um, is, would you like this? Would you like some cocaine? I'm like, that sounds interesting. But then my the voice in the back of my head goes, no, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> do it. See. You know, and so that that um, that conflict, it's not really a conflict, that cycle yeah. where everything I can imagine everything and I could I could be tempted by everything. But I also know that I won't do those things that are unhealthy or bad for me is an interesting thing, because it, it's very hard for some people to imagine other people's temptations and how hard it is for them to deal with, you know, why can't you just put down the fork and not eat so much and, and get in shape? Why can't you just get up and, you know, go to work in the morning and not not be a, a mess for half the day? Yeah. Well, some people can't imagine that. I can. I can imagine what that's like because I'm tempted to do all of those things. But on the other hand, my conscience is so strong that before that temptation gets to a place where I would act on it, it says no. And that's mm-hmm. partly just who I am, but partly it's what I've cultivated over my lifetime. As I mentioned, I was going to be a minister. So a big part of that is ha- cultivating your conscience. And in the Bible, Jesus Christ says, happy are those conscious of their spiritual need. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that's your religious need. No, your spiritual need is the need of the human spirit that you have within you, what those needs are. And those who are conscious of what they need are much happier than those who don't know what they need. And so I, because I know what I need and I fulfill my needs and I feel satisfied, I have no fear. And I don't feel that I need to take something from anyone. And this makes all of my interactions with people high trust because they, they can trust me because I don't need anything from them. We can have a voluntary exchange. Great. I love that. This is a voluntary exchange here, but Mm -hmm. I don't need anyone. And so I don't, I don't have to grab onto them with that fear of losing them. When, when, 
you are able to fulfill your own needs, you don't fear negative potential futures. You accept that this could happen and that's, and, and how will I deal with it versus being crushed by the emotional weight of it. I think that ability to, to be okay with the worst case scenario is really key to not be manipulated mm -hmm. because your fear goes away and no one then can manipulate you using your fear. You know, people say they get con artists manipulate people through greed. It's not actually greed. It's fear of loss. Their fear of losing the opportunity to make money. And so the con artist will manipulate you using that. It all comes back to fear. And the less unwarranted fear, you should have fear of things that are you know, truly a danger to you. But the less unwarranted fear you have, the more you will be in control of your own life and everything that happens in it. Words of wisdom. We're gonna we're gonna end up on those. Just one last question: How can people contact you, and where can they buy your book? Uh, you can contact me on noahravoy.com. Uh, you can buy my book on Amazon. I think it's available worldwide. Uh, there's probably some other locations, but that's the easiest for most people. And you can also on my website. There is um, you can click and you can uh, book a session. Uh, you can also get me on Twitter, and I will help you to book a free half hour session where you can just get to know me and i'm going to ask you some questions to make sure that we're a good fit i only like to work with people that i'm sure that i can help them so i like to have a little interview first to make sure that uh they're compatible with the way that i work and then if that's true we can work together on whatever it is your business or your personal relationship issues excellent thank you very much Noah, for your time today thank you very much for having me and thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.